0: Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the latest Shiny podcast. I am your host, uh, Rob Hirschfeld with Rack N and also Ziacal Online. And we're here with one of my favorite guests, uh, somebody who can speak bare metal toe to toe with the Rack and team, which I love, Zach Smith with Packet.net. Um, go ahead and say hi.
1: Hey all, um, this is Zach. Um, Rob, thanks for having me. It's fun to talk about metal with you. It's like legend on on amateur here, um, and I'll just try and keep up. All right.
0: <laughs> I, Zach and I love to, you know, we we are the fans of metal in the room, um, and uh, you want to give them a little background on, on what Packet does and you know why why Packet does it, which I love. I love your origin story. <laughs>
1: Um, Yeah, I'll do my best. Um, Basically, we are a public cloud provider Um, we automate single-tenant bare-metal compute for around 10,000 developers around the world. Um, We do so with as little software opinion as we can possibly get away with. Um, So we give our customers uh, as much choice as we can give them on operating system, how to boot their own, make images, um, boot OSs that we give them, bring their own network, bring their own IP space, control BGP routes, basically do everything except for rack and stack the metal themselves. Um, we're doing it out of 15 locations globally right now. Uh, we're a three-year-old company, uh, but I've been doing the metal on and off for about 17 years. So maybe that's the more interesting part is like, why would I possibly want to get into a public cloud business in 2014? That's probably a good question.
0: I, I, I know part of the answer for that, which is it, people actually need this, right? When you started the company, SoftLayer had just been acquired. We were watching a whole bunch of... Yep. Big MSTs try and do metal. Um, it's super hard. Right. You and I both know this. Um, finicky, heterogeneous. Um, but you, it you should have, be easy. Maybe, but it's not. We had a vision, yeah, to to make it much much easier. And then you and I had a conversation that goes back to me. You know, even before. You know, you and I've been talking for before both of us started our our various ventures. Um, And there's a price point for some machines where it is cheaper to run Metal than to run a VM.
1: At least in the current marketplace, yeah. Um, I know we offer an eight gig RAM physical um, bare metal instance for five cents an hour, um, which on a per RAM basis, if that's what you care about, is one of the cheapest things you can get. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, Metal is something that, uh, you know, we used to call it dedicated hosting. And that's what I started with in 2001. When I got into the Linux hosting world, and uh, we were always um, optimizing, that was obviously pre-most hypervisors. Um, so figuring out how to do that and, and make it go has always been part of my DNA. Um, but I think what made it relevant and why you know I certainly got interested in being in the space was just introducing the power of fundamental compute um, to a generation that had never physically walked into a data center. So in 2014, you know, I was lucky enough in 2001, when I needed to get a server online, I walked into my friendly ISP and um, he helped me get it online and we racked it and he gave me some cables and probably loaned me a bit of money for the uh, HP deal, whatever I bought, you know, things like that. And you could rent colo by the U at the time. And um, you know, now there's just a whole generation that hasn't had access to that um, yet. We live in a time where hardware is actually becoming increasingly more and more relevant workload is getting so big that, um, they're designing hardware special silicon or offloads or whatnot around the software. Um, So maybe we're gonna go a little bit of um, snake eat its own tail, but I thought it was just an important, you know, next phase for my career to help, you know, a new generation AKA developer or DevOps user access hardware without the abstraction of software layers.
0: And it's, we've been watching this journey for a long time because we were, I think some of your very first customers um, very early right. on, we sh- we share an investor, uh, Jim Collis. With uh, I, I don't think he's investing with, in us out of Seaport, but um, somebody we, we both have a lot of respect for. Um, but even before Jim, I think you and I had been hooked up, um, and we came in super early and started playing with with your APIs when they were you know I think type ones were the only type available, and yeah. we built some nice automation. You were our first uh, cloud. About infrastructure for exactly the reasons you're describing uh, right we wanted to play with hardware we needed access to more servers than we had um, and frankly even though we're a hardware company we don't well, want to own...
1: you know, so you, yeah you want to you, you didn't want to own the hardware you didn't want to go muck around in the data center but you wanted to control the whole thing
0: exactly and that's right this is the, the irony for us is as much as we're helping customers run infrastructure it's you know our job is their infrastructure it's not you know, racking and stacking servers any more than anybody else. So, it's just, it's an interesting need. And the thing that, that I keep coming back to now, especially now, when I'm I'm thinking through edge infrastructure and some of the interviews yep. I've done, edge, right? The the idea here is that we're not talking about enterprise IT hardware. <laughs> it's the same server, yeah. But the way you're managing it, the way we're managing it, it's different. How's it? Can you can you encapsulate that difference?
1: Well, I mean, it, we've been buying the same product under the hood. I mean, they look like pizza boxes still, right? Um, some way, shape, or form. You got CPUs and NICs and hard drives and memory and all that kind of other j- good jazz, and you put an operating system on it. Um, you turn it on, give it some address space, and call it a server. Um, but what we found, and I think that, that maybe is really coupled with this, is that you just had a cultural change of people consuming um, infrastructure in a very different way. And I like to say that you know, the software or sorry, the, the infrastructure of the future will be consumed by a developer or the software that she writes. And, um, you know, to that end, you know, how do you control um, software or sorry, how do you control hardware that's you don't even know how to boot regularly, that sometimes does what you tell it to do and sometimes doesn't do what you tell it to do. And so I think especially as you get to whether it's edge infrastructure or, as you know, a full DevOps transformation or just. 10 availability zones or, you know, legal restrictions put in your gear in other places. I mean, whether it's metal or VM, you still got to consume this stuff programmatically. So for me, it's not the gear that's changed so much. Actually, the gear has changed a lot less than we'd like it to. Um, and, you know, that's maybe I'll save that for my rant topic, uh, <laughs> Rob. But basically the gear is the same. It's the user whose priorities have totally changed. And um, luckily with this, the blossoming of kind of, portable software and great DevOps tools and techniques, people are able to consume hardware a lot more rapidly than we're able to give it to them. Um, so that's really our challenge to keep up with. And I think maybe that's, that's the big difference you're talking about. So,
0: so this to me is the highlight, right? It's, it, this is a, a highlight that we just need to shout as loud as we can to the CIOs and the IT managers, because the developers and a lot of the ops people already know this. The cloud has forever changed IT operations in a way that makes the developers right, write applications in a API addressable way taught to them by Amazon. And I, there's other clouds yep. out there, but Amazon is the teacher <laughs> and people consume Amazon on that, or consume infrastructure on that model now. Yes. To me, when I look at packet, that's the thing. It's like, look, I am, in, I am now consuming infrastructure in the Amazon pattern. I'm going to I want to buy it from a lot of different people because I don't want a, a single vendor on, for this market and sometimes I need hardware, sometimes I need it on premises with my control which is what we do or I need it off premises when you do some on premises stuff too or you know I need it in a very consistent cloud like way that's that's what's
1: changed. Yeah, for sure. Hardware looks pretty much the same. I mean, TikTok cycles a little bit faster, more memory, more expensive these days, et cetera. But um, yeah, totally agree that that's been the driving choice. And luckily we we do have a little bit more interest in the hardware world now. Um, I mean, the ARM ecosystem is no joke. Um, We have uh, a a legitimate choice in architectures this year between ARM AMD and Intel. Um, So if you're into it and you can take advantage of it, I think this is really what it comes down to, is that over the next, say, five, 10, 15 years, my kid just turned eight yesterday and I've been thinking about it a lot. And uh, yeah, go Wesley. And um, you know, that kid probably won't learn how to drive a car. And the workloads that are gonna power that kid's life um, are gonna end up on special hardware full stop. It's going to get so big or so important or so distributed or so latency focused that it's going to be on unique um, hardware. And to think that that's all going to look the same, that it's going to be a generic x86 VM, I think is a little naive. Um, And so, you know, getting that experience from that AWS training wheels, right, and helping that to be addressable across machine types, across architectures, um, super critical. I mean, we can look at it whether people want to use offloads. And I bet actually a lot of people don't think they use offloads. And then you hear about, well, does all the machine learning happen, Or where does all my routing happen? <laughs> you know, so.
0: And, and we're making, we're, we're getting better at making hardware easier. And that's, that's sort of the underlying piece with this, right? You look at TensorFlow and all of a sudden you're like, oh, GPUs are suddenly much easier to use because we have libraries and standards and processes. That abstract the differences and then make them accessible. And I yeah. think that there's-, there's Software is doing a good within.
1: job. Software is doing a good job at making hardware easier to consume. I think we have a long way to go in the hardware industry at making hardware easier to use.
0: Oh my goodness. I, I as, as two people who deal with the, you know, how bespoke things get and how things are managed, some of it's unavoidable, I, I believe, right? Every machine has a Mac. Every Mac address is different, but has to be. Um, but yeah, oh my goodness, managing RAID and BIOS, trying to make that consistent, dealing with patches, rolling patches.
1: I like a simple one. Where do you get your firmware? Where do you get your drivers?
0: Oh, goodness.
1: Who knows, right? I mean, that's the biggest Everywhere. question, right? Everywhere. From so the same
0: vendor, multiple places,
1: multiple <laughs> ways. Right.
0: And this is the, how the innovation, but, but the way you boot servers has been fundamentally unchanged, right? For 20, 30 years.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, we're still supporting, you know, protocols that are, you know, very old. And they have to be really old because it's incredibly the inertia is incredibly hard
1: yeah but this user is changing it and i think hopefully making us better this user being um the developer that grew up on aws or the infrastructure manager um is really teaching the rest of the ecosystem how it's going to get done right it may not live there it may not look like that it may not be virtual but it's going to be automatic Uh, it's going to be programmatic to some degree Um,
0: it will have a CI/CD pipeline it will have a b tests right this is this is what the data center of not i mean people say tomorrow and it's like 5 years out it, the data center of today the ones you and i are helping build the data centers of today are CI, CD pipelined right automatic deploys you know images that are that are immutable being pushed through these pipelines and, and dropped into the infrastructure um, actually that's a good tf you you do a lot of ci yeah, your infrastructure is the target of a lot of CI, including yeah. ours. <laughs> right. Awesome! I can test every 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 patch we we submit goes against uh, packet servers to test. Um, you want to talk about that? That's a, it's an important part of this.
1: Yeah, story. I mean, we we I don't think we stumbled into it completely by accident, but we've been a little bit surprised um, with you know, how many projects use us for CI. Um, And it starts at the very bottom. So we do do some things as a company to promote um, multi-arch build CI. Uh, We do it for the Linux Foundation through CNCF. So we provide the compute clusters there. Um, We do it for most of the operating systems that you know and love from CoreOS down to you know more obscure things like NixOS or FreeBSD. And then we do it up the pipeline. Um, Golang uh, builds ar 64 on us. Uh, Docker does a bunch of their builds on us, so keep going up. And what I think the reason why is beyond, we provide access to a bunch of different architectures with a very consistent, CI, automatable process, you wanna deploy your dynamic Jenkins slave, it just works, right? Um, whether it's a physical metal of x86 or one of AR64 or whatnot. Um, and is really that we give people a huge amount of consistency. Um, and so when you're dealing with the physical metal, the biggest thing that we've heard back from our customers is that their CI runs are, you know they just remove variables um, and they get to control their own image, they're booting their own metal, They've got complete control over the environment. Uh, they can guarantee the kernel that they're using um, and go through the whole process, you know, soup to nuts and destroy their environment and start all over again. So some users do it hundreds of times a day with us. Some you do it, you know, um, less. But uh, yeah, I'm super glad to hear that that Racken is building uh, immutable software on Packet.
0: It's a it's it's a big deal from, from our perspective. Right, so and I'll give you a little customer story. Um, so in this case, I guess a mutual customer story, um, right? We have somebody who wanted to take advantage of our Terraform to metal capabilities on, on their internal. So they're, they're not using packet internal, um, but what they wanted to do is they wanted to build a Terraform plan that would you know, be part of their CI pipeline. And so that means ultimately deploy on on-premises, but part of the CI pipeline, can go to packet, and this is how we built the infrastructure to test those plans as part of CI pipeline Mm -hmm. in addition to virtual machines, because there's a metal piece that they need to get right.
1: Yeah, they need to test that part, otherwise it will be pretty janky.
0: (laughs) Right, so the developers use VirtualBox on their local machine to test the plan using local Mm -hmm. resources, and then they can pipeline it against packet to test it against metal, but not have to take a full-size server, and then when they actually go to deploy it, then they go to metal. So you've got this three different environments, nice. one type of a pipeline. And this is this is. Are the, they even
1: doing it with their VMware? while they're at it, are they doing ESXi? They
0: they also they they do have a separate path to go to Amazon. Yeah, those they, they, they so that's what they like about Terraform, even though it's yeah. not truly abstracted. There's not one
1: plan. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, it's a totally good that, use case.
0: That to me is where you're like, all right, this is how right developers, operators, DevOps people. Should be thinking if they're not. are thinking for the the advanced users. Um, actually, what I find is the SREs and the DevOps engineers are thinking this way. Mm. The IT sysadmins, uh, y'all, wake up. This is this is. <laughs> it, you're not. You can't do this on traditional IT process with tickets. It doesn't work.
1: Uh, <laughs> no, not not fast enough for these. Uh... The, the software, right? Not fast enough for those cycles. And what's the most extreme that you've seen, Rob? I mean, like in terms of people deploying these pipelines in metal, I mean, is it like dozens of times a day or?
0: Uh, that's a good question. the I'm still seeing, there's still early days. So everybody I'm talking to wants dozens of times a day. I have mm-hmm. a lot of conversations with people who want to get their redeploys down into the sub five minute time. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're doing some work uh, around Kubernetes that that's, should be driving that also. But um, you and I both know uh, getting sub five minutes is hard because a reboot takes.
1: Yeah, memory checks checksums.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> These things so, just take a little bit of time. So um,
0: you've got you know five minutes less than five minutes to reboot a machine, you know boot an operating system uh, install an image into it and then DD into the, and then reboot into that image. So you've got three minutes plus of reboot cycles. Best case. You've got two minutes of workable time to make that happen. Um,
1: let me just sneak preview into my no reboot install thing that we figured out. Okay. I'll tell you about it later.
0: Okay. You and I need to compare notes cause we've got, we've, we've been doing some, some work along those lines. Uh, so what is the, What is the
1: coolest hardware that people are playing with in an automated fashion that you've seen? What's the weirdest stuff? Oh you must have seen a lot.
0: Uh, the, the coolest thing I saw was was not was exotic because it was liquid cooled.
1: Ah, uh, so just super dense or
0: super dense uh, liquid cooled type of stuff. Um, yes, we've seen some weird. Greg's the one to get. A, Greg, our CTO is the one to get on the phone to talk about mm-hmm. the weird stuff. Um, and you know, people trying to boot pies and Nooks. And um, at one point, I played with a early. Uh, Freedom uh, the original generation of the Facebook the uh, CP stuff
1: oh, okay uh,
0: the ones without uh, out-of-band management ports
1: oh yeah <laughs> interesting uh, that was like I still uh, need my I BMC's need.
0: yeah no it's I think that was a, a huge error not to have standard ports that you could out-of-band manage they were using the uh, wake on land reboot uh, packet um, which uh, for people who don't, we're we're way down in the weeds, but um, PCs have a have a way that you can if it's enabled, you can turn the, you can send them a magic packet that forces them to reboot, called wake on LAN, um, and that's what these original servers were using at to avoid having to have a separate management management path for machines. Um, well, speaking, of,
1: speaking about hardware, Rob, I mean, since we got a few minutes left, like and any customer or anybody who's listening to this or DevOps person or SRE or data center ops person, I mean, we're all talking about how to make metal super reliable and consistent and programmable and CIable and all that good stuff. But how do you get it in the racks? How do you order it these days? How do you ship it around so it can get imported into Hong Kong or India or London and somewhere else that you need to put it. Um, that, I mean, that's worth a discussion, because we're all making it once it gets in the data center, right, and it's racked. But how do we get it easier into the data center? Any ideas there, or what are people doing?
0: Uh, they're relying on their colos, in this case, or they take months to get things going. A lot of them are shutting down other data centers. right? They're They don't want to run and rack gears. What we're seeing is a big consolidation play for people. Hmm. Um, you know, so and that's, you know, I know you have to deal with procurement issues. You have multiple types of hardware. Um, it's got to be insane to get those things.
1: Yeah, up. we're in the logistics business, effectively. And I, and when you think about, I mean, if Amazon taught people how to, uh, how developers how to use infrastructure or, or mm-hmm. DevOps people, um, it also just lent its incredibly... Um, sophisticated logistics capability to getting servers into warehouses. Um, And we call the warehouses data centers, of course. But um, I think that that is one of our biggest day in day out projects is just how to efficiently move hardware around the world into data centers. And we're a small company and, you know, what we find is that there's just a long way to go, that the customer shift of, um, you know, it used to be an IT person putting equipment into a local data center. Um, Now that that is in somewhere a remote process, um, or at least a process that might require it to be in, edge locations or multiple jurisdictions or whatnot. There's simply not the um, kind of scaffolding around to make that an easy, enjoyable process. It's painful, hard, and expensive. So. Well,
0: and this is where what I see people doing is relying on systems integrators. Um, I know a couple of them. I'm, I'm right,
1: like, kind of to gloss so out I, the pain I, there.
0: They, and, and they'll ship a full rack and they're used to working with data centers or the colo providers, right? The the people are, are trying to move up stacks. So mm-hmm. getting a colo provider who can procure racks as a relationship with a hardware provider and can get that stuff in and racked and going, um, that's a big, that, that helps. In some ways, that's not the thing that, that to me feels like it's slow. Well, And one of the things we try to help people with is they rack gear, there's mistakes, it takes them a long time to troubleshoot, there's a right. the burn-in the burn process. And so the idea that I can get my machines cabled burned in, tested and checked. Our experience has been that often creates weeks of delays for people.
1: Yes, getting your MAC addresses uh, tied up to your ports and your yeah, cables tied up to yeah, your U you location.
0: You get you get somebody who who didn't fully seat um yeah, <laughs> a cable and then all of a sudden you've got inter-, inter intermittent um intermittent networking or a drive's not seated correctly and all of a sudden it's flaky. Um,
1: Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Speaking that's of that's network, that's how much of what what Racken's doing these days is around the switch? Oh, that's a fun. Uh, we're
0: talking to people about switch. Um, we're not there yet. That's a, a that's an exciting thing. I know you all have quite a bit of switch automation because you turn on ports and you isolate customers. Um, and we've yeah, talked about a little we bit. do that,
1: but there's no like there's no simple answer yet. I mean, most of the switch operating systems are either you know very. Hard to automate, or put you into a proprietary world that you're trying to get out of. Um, so I'm I'm curious what other customers are doing. I mean, there's definitely been a lot of work in open source based networking, um, SDN, and FE work, et cetera. But in terms of just good data center switch, um, you know, you can buy the merchant silicon, but the OS and everything like that's still pretty hard to make make. So go.
0: we've we've got some really interesting patterns um, that we're just starting to publicize. That don't require SSH to do some automation control side mm-hmm. pieces um, and you're looking for people who want to do that I'll tell you for us there's a lot of people who want to come up and talk about us booting a switch or automating a switch and, and matching it the mm-hmm. politics in most organizations do not allow a converged infrastructure All Right, um, and so for the for, since we were since the very Birth, you know, the, three years ago we started Rack, and we we've been trying to do this fully integrated switch automation. And when we talk to people about it, it ends up being, well, I don't own that team. Um, and right. and this is this that
1: network team separate from server come, team, separate from yeah. software team.
0: Yes. Yeah. Right. It, it it will in the edge. I, I actually think what, what we'll see is, we'll see Edge break it down first. Mm. Because when you're in an, a remote Edge location, it's one thing, it's one unit, you've got to deal with it. Um, and then I think, um, and this is a much bigger topic, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll give, give you the hint, give listeners the hint. Um, it, as we figure it out in Edge, it will, be, it will transform what happens in enterprise IT. Right, The type of stuff you're doing, the type of edge infrastructures that we're talking about, where it's you know uh, not a hardware converged infrastructure, but a software converged infrastructure, mm-hmm. those economics will will make it impossible for teams to stay split and inefficient the way they are today. Right? You and I are both changing the economics of the data center.
1: So, what's the most interesting thing going on in the DevOps world today? What tool is touching you the most? Is it Terraform?
0: We are really excited about Terraform. Yeah. Yes. I, and I know you do a ton with it too. You, you see people spinning infrastructures up.
1: That's that's my tool of choice.
0: It's so.
1: Why not Ansible?
0: Uh, not Ansible. Ansible. We do a ton with Ansible. Um, Chef and Puppet not as much. Um, Terra, Terraform has been ex- really exciting for us as we've been building um, uh, pieces on the back end. Uh, but that's not that's not as exciting for us. I mean, it's it's super exciting. We we love to see people building infrastructures in a in a infrastructure as code way. Uh, the immutable deployment pieces are super interesting. So cloud base. I know y'all y'all have a really interesting cloud story where it's integrated into your service. Um, you announced uh, at Glucon. You were announcing. Um, so cloud have. library
1: space, right? Yeah, we did some work around it. It's called a and it basically helps. And one of the things that we have such heavy usage of cloud init, that people just managing their out yeah. data is <laughs> becoming a massive problem, um, and inheriting it appropriately. Um, so we released a an open source tooling a, a service actually um, that uh, that helps with some of that for people who are. I mean, we've seen people who are dumping, you know, 1,000, 2,000 line, um, uh, you know, CloudNet uh, stanzas, so it's pretty big.
0: <laughs> oh, that makes
1: me sad. Well, we got away, we got away from, you know, I mean, they may are booting a CoreOS, they don't even put a Puppet on it or something, and so they got to put everything into basically SystemD and, you know, boot it all with CloudNet, so, you know, it's got to go someplace. So
0: this is so one of the things so we do that and we're super excited to see that from a tech perspective and see Mm -hmm. the pipelines and pieces together Um, right the our all our stuff is based on our open source digital rebar project with that we actually added um, a post provision control side okay um, that goes back to digital rebar from an instruction set so it's it's like init mm-hmm. in that it's, it's simple post-provision stuff, right? Post-pro- CloudNet is just a...
1: Like authentic? It, it, it doesn't have to authenticate or how is it going to get this stuff?
0: It, it uses the token system that we built into Digital Rebar. So each okay. server only gets its instructions based on the, the, the token. Limited token thing. But what it can do is it can actually go back and say, instead of getting just a init file, it actually gets a job queue. And then it executes the job nice. queue. And so yes. the job queue... Can change the job queue.
1: Right. Uh oh.
0: And so what happens is. Boom, that then my you head just blew
1: up, Rob. Job queue can change the job queue.
0: Job queue can
1: change the job queue. So that
0: that's workflow. So yep. now you crossed into the workflow boundary to say, oh, when I see this, do this. When I see this, do that.
1: But or, if I see this, don't do this. Right. Yeah, nice.
0: And so instead of it being this very static, uh, Cloud knit thing it ends mm-hmm. up being being enough to do workflow. now It's it, such as system.
1: such as I booted my server and my partitions aren't right and instead of failing it can be like go fix them
0: Right and also give you back logs so right here's the log. I got here's the things I see and then the fun So so we use it for doing things like oh, I need to do burn-in tasks So oh, I need mm-hmm. to do network discovery. Oh, I need to make some decisions based on how things are good That's how our terraform stuff works. mm mm-hmm. um, and so it can actually drive a multi boot multi staged workflow so you can fix bios and then go into a new machine and then set the drives and do, yeah it's it's um i mean i, I feel like i'm cheating because I'm, I'm i'm of course super excited about the things that we're, we're doing in open um but they all the fun the fun thing for me is they all revolve around the tools that people are using right this supports terraform it doesn't displace terraform at all it yeah. helps chef and puppet do their job it helps ansible like we generate dynamic inventory files out of Ansible. Um, right. Everything we do because of this is the, to me, the hybrid cloud pattern is it's all about how do we reuse tools that people are comfortable using? Yeah. Not, right, right. Y'all didn't build a cloud formation. <laughs> oh, no, no,
1: absolutely figured. not. Just how <laughs> do I make user data work so that you can do Terraform? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Rob, um, your, your life cycling or your workflow on hardware, you know, right now, what do you do if you've got your self-encrypting drives or whatever? Well, you watch the boot process and you enter in the key, right? Right. Um, and, uh, you know, you're adding workflow to handle kind of complex and more nuanced processes like that. And it kind of reverts me back to, which we would think is pretty silly today, but in about 2004, I spent some time in going back and forth to China. And I went to a data center in, in Beijing, North China, and they wanted wow. to show me their NOC, uh, where they did managed services. And they had about 100 people sitting in front of, um, you know, little LCD screens, refreshing web pages to monitor them. So, I mean, that's the analogy of what we generally do in IT systems today, right? So uh, we're just doing that to like install our servers or get those self-encrypting keys in there or after the first reboot, make sure to do this, right? So amen to workflow, amen to automation.
0: The amount of time when we talk to a customer who's like, all right, yeah, I open a ticket after this happens. Like, can you open a ticket to change the network port after your server's booted? And, it's like, because you need to what? Well, somebody has to change the networking after the server boots. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: okay,
0: I get it. ServiceNow ticket. Yay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, well, I mean, ServiceNow and JIRA got to have a business, right? So.
0: <laughs> that's true.
1: That's true. We got to support the cause.
0: And, and, and this is what's fun, right? Those, those to me are, are start crossing into orchestration or, you know, company process.
1: Yeah. You still,
0: wanna, you still need to do those things.
1: So listen, Rob, you coming to New York soon? Because we got a good thing going on November 1st. It's all about the metal run cloud native oh, on metal. you going to come? So
0: I love this show. I wish I could get there. I'm, I'm going to be en route to uh, OpenStack summit, uh, that,
1: that day. And where in Sydney? In Sydney. I can't make it. In Sydney. Oh man, yeah. you, you need Elon Musk's new rockets or something because you're Ooh. definitely not making it back in
0: time. You're right, you're right. <laughs> I could just, I could loop through. Um, and so tell, tell, so I'm not sure this will air before that event give people a sense of what this is and, and what, what they missed and
1: if, why, if, why they if, should care. We
0: didn't need uh, okay. I'm going to try and get this on air before. But.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, if, if, if y'all are listening and that's just, I did that for you, Rob, do you get it? Y'all are listening. Uh, um, it's, where's uh, your hat? Where's your yeah, hat? I don't it's, hat it's at home. home, uh, November 1st here <laughs> in New York, uh, downtown Manhattan LMHQ. um, The Cloud Native Computing Foundation is putting on an event called Cloud Native in the Data Center, Why, How, and Who. We're basically talking about a couple of different operators who are running full cloud native stacks on Metal in their own data center and one who's not. Um, So basically it'll be Sam Kotler who runs SRE at GitHub talking about how their Metal orchestration works and how their story has been. Um, Raj Dutt who runs Grafana Labs. Um, that uh, Grafana. Uh, and they run a mixed environment between GCE and um, and Packet Metal. And then also Sarah Walker, who heads um, engineering at White Ops in the uh, very latency specific um, ad tech world. So It's going to be a good talk. We'll also have a couple lightning things, some really, really, really nerdy stuff. One is going to be Asaf from uh, Mellanox talking about high-performance networking within Kubernetes clusters. Um, And then also Amir from Iguazio talking about serverless with, like, microsecond latencies using hardware.
0: So that is the SRE event.
1: Of November, or at least of November 1st. And we're doing an experiment. It's going to be cool. You got to pay two dollars for this event, all right? But we will give you $2 back. And if you're lucky, we may even give you a $2 bill. They're going to be special $2 bills.
0: Get your subway fare back home.
1: At least we'll know how much beer to buy, basically.
0: I, I think this is smart, right? It's a token, literally a token fee. And uh, if you don't show up,
1: I'm keeping your $2, okay? That's yeah. my my side job, all right? My, my insurance I, plan.
0: The frustration, you know, uh, that I hear across industry of this, you know, it costs nothing to sign up for a meetup or an event. I, I put my name in it and I uh, don't show. I really never even intended to show, but I liked it on my calendar because I look smarter.
1: Uh, well, you know uh, what? We're, we're, we're going to change how you consume metal and this whole like drop-off ratio at meetups. Okay. Two bucks to register, but we'll give it back. At the door. I love it. Yeah. I love it.
0: That's good. Where else can people find out about Packet.net?
1: Well, you can go to Packet.net. You can read about us there. Um, Sign up. Try it around. Run your CI pipeline. Boot your own OS. Muck around and try and break the hardware. But not too bad. Let us know if you do.
0: (laughs) They are super responsive. They they ping you all the time. All the time. And and Zach's newsletters are great. Funny. um, And I'm always impressed with how fast you're bringing up infrastructure and adding pieces. So That's awesome.
1: All right, Rob, well, thanks for being a customer. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: Awesome. Thank you.
1: All right. Take care.